welcome to the Amateur Milf Society, a podcast about the highs and lows of mothering in the modern age. We're your hosts, Sinead and Rosie, and we are just trying. Join us on a journey from positive pregnancy tests through to school and beyond as we try to untangle all those complicated thoughts and feelings that come when you decide to push a baby out of your vagina. Other birthing methods are available. We are average, non-famous mums who live average, non-famous lives. Although if we get famous, we're not complaining and you can all go tell. I'm Sinead. Hi. (laughs) And this is Rosie. I live with my mum, my dad and my dog, who I think is a Tory. Rosie, over to you. What about your child? Oh, shit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go on. I live with my daughter, Darcy, who is five. My mum, my dad, my brother, and my dog, who I think is a Tory. Rosie? Um, I live with my partner, Dave, uh, my two children, Ramona, who is nearly five, Lola, who is nearly two, and my Romanian street dog, Dobby, who is probably a socialist, I would have thought. We were going to go for anarcho-communist. Yeah, I forgot the word. (laughs) I'll be honest, I forgot the word you said earlier. So that one, that word there you just said. That one, okay. Sinead? Can you sum up your week in one sentence? I wish we didn't have half term. <laughs> you could barely get that sentence out because it was such an awful week. Oh, it was, tra- it was traumatic. Oh, my God. Like, I forget how difficult it is to just have your child in the house with you all week. Yeah. Because yeah. she would, like, the last mouthful of breakfast would not have even been swallowed yet. And she'd be like, I'm hungry. Be like, oh okay. God. Can I have a chocolate? Can I have a chocolate? It's 7.30 in the morning. Can I have a chocolate, though? No, you can't. Well, Darcy, I mean, we're in the great tomato famine, lest we forget. And Darcy's favourite food is cherry tomatoes. I went to have a shower. The child had scoffed down an entire £4.50 punnet of cherry tomatoes. Is it called a punnet? I think it so. It is now. Okay, it sure. is now. A punnet of tomatoes. Yeah, sure. yeah so okay. that's my week. I also took her to London. Oh, yeah. How um, was that? It was, a, it was a great day and she yeah. did really well for not whinging, which is unusual. But I asked her at the end of the day, what was your th- favourite thing about today? Mm. She was like, going on the tube and Pizza Express. Pizza Express. That very, It's a, a very kind of normal thing to do in London, isn't it? Yeah. You can't get it anywhere else, can you, Pizza Express? No, very, no. very London based. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely not a chain. I mean, I was like, let's go to Franco Manca. She's like, no, no. Pizza Express. Pizza Express. Fair. I want dough balls. Fair. fair, fair, fair. Great. Um, okay, I'm going to describe my week in one sentence. It's kind of abstract uh, because what I'm describing is a thing that happened, uh-huh. which is a metaphor for the week. Okay. So Lola, who is nearly two, thought that she was big enough to successfully use a space hopper on our concrete <laughs> concrete back garden. Uh, she could not, and she bounced off it and smashed her head on the floor. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I don't have, there's no other context I have to that. That is a thing that happened, and that describes my week. Any lasting damage? Um, we'll, we'll find out. I mean, she still can't say very much. <laughs> she can say mummy and daddy and mine. I feel like that also also kind of like perfectly represents represents our attempt at recording this podcast today. Like we've come in, we've tried to bounce on the space hopper, hopper. we've fucked ourselves halfway across the garden. We're still here though, and we're still here. We're still here. Got a great big gash on our forehead, (laughs) but we're still recording. We've got greatly damaged pride. Yeah, absolutely. We wanted the man to think we were clever. Um, we're not. We are not. <laughs> we are not clever. Okay, that was great. So I'm going to just explain the situation to everyone. Uh, this is our pilot episode, so apologies for any technical difficulties um, or lapses in brain power. Lapses in brain power. Lapses in computer power. Uh, voices sounding a bit weird. Um, noises that make no sense. Yeah, you might hear the hand dryer or like a pub rock band singing proud mary proud mary that's what it's called <laughs> i was going the rolling down the river song they're rolling down, the, rolling river. down the river song they've played that <laughs> at least 10 times since we've been here um yeah so it's all it's all very new to us but the reason we are here is to talk about being mothers and the whole journey and experience that comes with it 
Hopefully it'll be a bit of fun. Hopefully we'll be able to give a bit of guidance to people who aren't here yet. Um, and we're going to try and do it in chronological order. That's the idea, right? Roughly chronological. Roughly chronological. Yeah. So today, because it's a pilot episode and we don't really know what we're doing, we're going to talk about that weird time before we had kids, which I can't really remember. You know the bit before they came out? Before yeah. we were pregnant? Before we were pregnant. Before we were pregnant. Wow. Which seems like a lifetime it ago. It does seem like a lifetime ago. But the idea is that we'll maybe talk about our experiences and then we'll talk about it, you know, from a societal point of view. Yeah. But we'll try and be funny. We're trying our best. We are trying our best. We're, trying our we're best. just trying. We're just trying. As the tagline says. Tagline of the show is we're just trying and we hope that you all um, feel the same. So I'm going to ask some questions. Mm -hmm. You can ask me them back. Yeah, I'll See try where and we do get. that. Yeah. Hopefully it will still be recording. If this stops recording and we keep talking, I will cry. Same. Cool. And I will cry even harder because I have to edit it together. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We're doing great. We're doing so well. Okay. Um, did you always want to be a mum? I think um, I did want to be a mum in the sense of, like, I wanted to have children. Mm. but I almost like pictured my pictured my hypothetical children and saw myself more in a dad role than a mum role that's interesting elaborate like, I didn't think I mean I've I always liked I've got quite a big family there's there's nearly always babies knocking around mm. and I was always the first one in for a cuddle and whatnot but I always thought my like saw myself as the person that would be like I'd like the baby, but then I would like to give it back to someone that was actually capable of looking after it. Sure. <laughs> Which I feel like, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's almost, that's the societal expectation of what a dad does. Like, yes, a dad will hold the baby and if the baby needs something, he will give it back to the mum. Yeah, it's, it's like um, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mr. Banks comes home at six o'clock. He sings the song, he literally says, and then it, he pats his ch children on the head, and then at 6.05, they fuck off. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially what he did. I would go to work, come home, make sure my children still exist, and then they disappear. Yeah, and that's the that's kind of where I saw my motherhood journey going. <laughs> Amazing. Um, spoiler alert, that's <laughs> not what happened at no. all. No, it's not. Funny that. What did happen? Uh, in fact, my kid doesn't have a dad. So yes. I yeah. don't get, no one gets the dad role. So before I before I um, tell you whether I wanted to be a mum or not, would you like to tell the dear listeners um, how old you were when you had your child? We're not going to talk about pregnancy too much yet, but how old were you? Give us a like bit of a setup, yeah. you know? So I was 23 when I found out that I was expecting Darcy. Um, I'll save the real juicy bit for next time, but I was I had just turned 24 when she was born. Um, her birthday is at the end of January, mine's at the beginning of December. So mm -hmm. I'd only just turned 24, which I suppose in the grand scheme of things isn't that young. But at the time when I had her, I felt like a baby, like yeah. a genuine child. And yeah. not to call Rosie old or any of Geriatric. my friends old. <laughs> But, like, they are all, not significantly, but they're older than me by a decent margin, like five yeah, yeah. plus years. I think you're all older yeah, than yeah. me by at least five years. Yeah. Which at that stage of your life, five years is quite a long time, yeah. I think. Well, yeah, you've gone from early 20s to late 20s. It's the time when you start figuring that sort of stuff out. I think, like, I always knew, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to answer the question. I'm going to answer it. Answer the question, Rosie. I, I, do you want me to ask it to go you? Go on, ask it to me. Go on. Which one? Uh, <laughs> Are we asking, did you want to be a mum? Or... Yeah, 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 ask me that one. Did you always want to be a mum, Rosie? Yes, I did. Thank you for asking. Um, and not a dad. <laughs> and not a dad. Yeah, I. it's really interesting you talking about um, having this idea in your head of a more father-like role. I kind of had the opposite. I always wanted to be a mum. I always wanted a family. I always wanted to have kids. I always wanted my first child at 27 because that's when my mum had me. I had Ramona when I was 30, so I did pretty well. Mm. Um, and I wanted to be the doting mother that looks after her children and is really, really wonderful. And that's and exactly what you are, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I am the father figure sometimes. Like I just like, yep, yeah, uh, disappear, children. Pat them on the head. Goodbye. I mean, I feel like it's 
inevitable to feel like does, you want yeah. your children to disappear sometimes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But yeah, I think um, it, when you said about that, like, it's not a huge difference in age, but the difference between 23 and 27 is, I think, stereotypically the difference between being youthful and going out and wanting to settle down and having children. Yeah. So for that to happen to you at 23 was quite a shock. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a shock because... Because Because I didn't know I was pregnant until 10 weeks before Darcy was born. (laughs) Yeah. I'll go into more detail on that next time, but um, suffice it to say, um, if I could sum it up Mm. in a word, Mm. traumatic, Mm -hmm. if I could sum it up in two words... (laughs) Fucking traumatic? Fucking traumatic. (laughs) Oh, by the way, yeah, this is where the kind of technical thing comes into play because we probably should have uh, put a little spoiler out there for about swearsing. Oh, yeah, swearsies. this is a podcast about children, not not for children. children. Yeah. So if you've got little ones running around, maybe put on some headphones or yeah. like lock them in a room lock somewhere. Room. <laughs> no, yeah, we did we did swear right from the get go, didn't we? So that's yeah. probably self-explanatory isn't it mm-hmm. um so this kind of goes into the the kind of next section which is did you choose to be a mum uh no 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 well, I, <laughs> no yeah no i um had motherhood thrust upon me in quite a rude way mm. <laughs> i would say um it kind of just it literally came out of nowhere mm. and I, when I first found out that I was pregnant with Darcy, I cried nonstop. Sorry, that was my tummy. I cried nonstop for a full weekend. Didn't get out of bed because I didn't stop crying for a full weekend. And it was really, really strange. I woke up on the Monday morning, uh, like following this. I'd found out I was pregnant on the Thursday, spent Friday to Sunday more or less in bed crying I woke up on the Monday and I had this like it was a realization that like shook the very foundations of my existence without wanting to sound too dramatic it was like right my choice now is it's been taken away from me and I've just got to make the best of what I've been given so to 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 be clear, you were at a stage in your pregnancy where you couldn't have um, had an abortion. Yes. Yeah. I was past that by a good few weeks, uh, like four weeks maybe. Mm. Um, and like in the spirit of total candour, which I think it's important to be <laughs> radically honest, quote unquote, mm. on a on a podcast where you're speaking about your motherhood experiences to the world um if i had found out earlier i would have had an abortion and this is something like before anyone gets their knickers in a twist this is something that i will if darcy was ever to ask me the question i would explain to her in a age-appropriate way yeah of course because we are fans of bodily autonomy on this podcast absolutely and we're also fans of your right to choose as a woman Mm -hmm. whether you decide to be a mother or not amateur mill society is a proudly pro-choice podcast absolutely 100 percent um and i think well one of the things i was just thinking then when you were talking about um you know that choice was taken away from you Mm -hmm. not because uh we live in a country where it is taken away from you fortunately but because it literally was taken like scientifically was Was taken taken away from from you and i just wonder now like retrospectively whether you're happy that I mean obviously you're happy because you love your child let's let's not beat around the bush here we love our children no matter how much we shit on them on this podcast (laughs) we do love we do love them of course but like retrospectively do you think that it was a good thing that that choice was taken from you yes yeah I think ultimately because if I had had the choice I would have chosen not to have a child Mm. but that would also mean I wouldn't have Darcy and like as much as she does my head in quite a lot of the time, <laughs> having her has changed me for the better as a person. Mm. And I think that, you know, if I hadn't had her, my life would look very, very different to how it does now and not in a good way. Yeah. 
that's interesting isn't it like I don't know I don't I don't know enough people to have had a similar experience to know like if the kind of generalized view is that they the people who didn't choose to have children that then have had children feel like those children made their lives better or made them better people that's what you're saying isn't it you're yeah. a better person like she has made my life better before having her like I would have described myself as very like directionless I didn't know where mm. I wanted to go in life I didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't really have a purpose I was kind of just drifting mm. and having her kind of forced me to start making to start um taking control of where my life was going yeah and I think the same I mean I have a friend who was recently in a very similar situation to me and she feels the exact same way I mean her daughter's yeah. only six months six months old but already she yeah. feels like it's completely changed the direction of her life for the better yeah and like obviously that's only two anecdotal experiences yeah, we can't speak for everybody but yeah I think having a child does force you to reckon with what you want your life to look like and mm help you find like a purpose and a direction where yeah. you might not have had one before yeah I think um having children for me has made me not that I well maybe I was a little bit directionless because I was in a job that I didn't really like and it gave me an excuse to not go back to that job <laughs> um because luckily for me I have a partner who earns money that means I could stay at home but it gave me a direction it knowing I, I knew what I wanted to do I knew, knew I wanted to be an artist having children gave me the confidence to do it simply because I give less shits. Mm. So growing up, like if I had, if I'd seen like an artistic opportunity, like say I saw an advertisement say, you know, we need an artist to paint a mural. I'd be like, oh, that'd be something I'd really love to do, but there's no way I'm going to apply for it because I won't get it. Mm. And for like, I don't know if it's because you're so all encompassed with your children, but now that I've got them, if that same advertisement comes up, I'll be going, I'm applying for it right now yeah. because I deserve to do it. Yeah. And so that kind of confidence is is a nice, nice little little nugget of fun that I've got from having kids. So thanks, guys. Thanks, for, thanks for giving that to me. <laughs> so, Rosie, did you choose to be a mum? I did choose to be a mum. Um, so... I will, I'll tell this story. <laughs> uh, I met, just for a bit of background, I met Dave on Tinder. Uh, cute. We're still together. How nice mm, is that, right? So, so we met nice. on Tinder. I'd, I'd come back from travelling. Um, he was the first person I properly spoke to on Tinder. Yeah, and I met can him. I just uh, make a quick interjection? The quality of men on Tinder that is available these days has drastically declined. This was in since, the good old days. <laughs> since Rosie's experience, because the last man that I m matched with on Tinder told me that he wanted to fuck me because I look like his sister. Are you, <laughs> are you serious? Yes. What, did you reply? No. That, okay, okay, <laughs> just checking, just checking. You never know, you never know. Oh God, that's, I'm so grateful. Yeah. That, I mean, well done, Dave, for being a good egg and on Tinder. That yeah. was, I was pretty, um, I know I'm very lucky. I mean, I don't particularly want to be in a relationship. I like. I'm in no hurry to be in a relationship. Did you realise you said relation relationship then? Was that a <laughs> Freudian slip? I think it was a Freudian <laughs> slip. Yeah, but I would jump into a relationship with the first man I saw in Tesco if it meant that I never had to go on a dating app again. Yeah, please, like please God, I have to get rid of Tinder. They Take are the cesspits of the modern age. <laughs> Oh, it's so sad. No, I think I, I think it was still a bit of a cesspit. I think I was just lucky that Dave like popped up and started Very talking lucky. to me. I met up with him and he was really lovely. So in terms of choosing to be a mum, uh, I went on a date with him and then we like got together pretty quickly. It was quite clear. He's four years older than me. So I think we were both like, yeah, I think this is it. I don't think we need to beat around the bush here. We're, we're, we're done, mate. So we went on holiday to, I think it was Devon. And we'd only been together for a few months. And on that holiday, I told him that when we have children, not if we have children, <laughs> when we have children, if we have a daughter, she will be called Ramona. And he had to just agree to that. That's how much I chose. I'm choosing to be a mum because I'd met a guy who I thought, well, I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life with him. And, and you I were was, like, yeah, this is what we're naming our kids. 
go. This one is, it's one and done. Like <laughs> one off we done. go. Absolutely. But the difference is, and this is like, this is why we're doing this podcast is so we can discuss these different experiences that we've, we've had very different experiences. And that's obviously true for every single person that's listening. And that's why it's important to talk about because I did choose to be a mum. We chose to try to conceive mm-hmm. and it took quite a long time for us to conceive our first child. Um, I mean, looking back, it wasn't really a long time in the grand scheme of things. It was maybe like 10 months. Yeah. But for me, that felt like very, very traumatic for different reasons to you. Yeah. Really traumatic in like a long, drawn out, terrifying. Every single time a period came, I was absolutely devastated. Like the sight of blood was like, you know, I'd spend days crying because I was like, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. I mean, that's really hard. To analogize it, I think maybe your experience of that kind of trauma was like World War Two to my 9-11. Yeah. 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 That's a very, very, very lovely and morbid way of describing it. Yeah. yeah. So like you're that. like yeah. in the trenches for yeah. fucking years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah. stood housing several million office workers. Actually, yeah. no, that's as bad. But <laughs> It does when you've just and then, been talking about Tinder. <laughs> and then a plane yeah, yeah. comes along yeah. and hits me. Is the plane the... the is the plane the... Oh, the plane know. is exactly what you think the plane okay, is. Right? Sure. So, I don't don't make me say it. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, moving on very swiftly. Um, okay, so one of the things we kind of touched upon when we were like preparing for this episode was talking about our own mothers. And there's not a lot we can really say um, because we don't want to we don't want to ruin our lovely experiences in pregnancy and birth and having children because they're so awful that we want every episode to be an absolute. Um, gold mine for you guys but we did talk about like how our relationship with our own mums has changed yeah so maybe we, we should talk a little bit about like what our relationships were like before we had kids with our mums yeah and how that's then differed I think before I had Darcy um I mean sorry just to jump in first but yeah I think before I had no, Darcy my relationship with my mum was very much like parent child like I just mm. finished uni I just moved home it was still very much like, you need to let me know when you're coming home from your night out. I mean, I do have a child now and she still does make me tell her when I'm coming home from my night out. Nice. But it was very much parent-child kind of vibes. Yeah. Um, As soon as Darcy was born, I felt that shift. And while I was pregnant, I it was even more intensified in a way, like, what, the parent-child? Yeah, my mum was very much babying me because I was ah. so so traumatised by what I was going through at the time. I think my mum was scared to... Yeah. I mean, when I first found out I was pregnant, she was just like, how could you do something so stupid? <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, disclaimer, I was on contraception when yeah. I when I fell pregnant. Yes. I had been having the injection for like four years at that point. Yeah. And I guess it just stopped working. Just didn't work. Just didn't fancy working. Um, And that's why I didn't know I was pregnant because I hadn't had a period for God knows how long. And I see. So I had no period to track it by. And I'm also, as we'll find out in the next episode, extremely out of touch with my own body. Sure. I think that's something that we've got lots to discuss. Oh, I think that's something we've got lots to discuss about in general. I think um, that's something that a lot of women will probably start to realise as they get older, is they just have no relationship with their body. Yeah. And that's really sad, because I think we should. But anyway, yeah, so you just, you again, that choice was taken away from you. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Wow. And so you're, it kind of sounds, the way you're describing your mum when you were pregnant is almost like she went into like full-time carer mode. Yeah, she was like babying me because, I mean, I had had no, uh, with I don't want to run ahead and cover things I'm going to cover next week, but there was like certain issues that cropped up towards the end of my pregnancy that were putting me in absolute misery all the time. Mm. So she was very much like, I think, concerned for my mental health mm. because I think whatever way you want to look at it, it's very, very stressful and traumatic to find out you're pregnant and then realize you've got 10 weeks until that baby is going to be born oh god like when you said it the first time around i didn't like it didn't really hit me uh, because i know you so i know your experience but then when you just said 10 weeks then 
Jesus Christ, that's not a long time, is it? Not a long time. That's at not all. a long time. That's not even like a term at school. No. And bear in mind, I had Darcy, I found out that I was pregnant with Darcy at 30 weeks. She was born at 40 plus one. Mm. Um, we had a scan that told me that I was 30 weeks. And um, my mum went into full-blown panic crisis mode because mm. she went into labour with me at 36 weeks. Oh, so she was like, oh, shit, this baby's coming. Yeah, at that point, I didn't have a shred of clothes for the baby. No, nothing. She didn't have anywhere to sleep. Yeah. There was nothing. Because no. like, at that point, it was very much like, well, the, the baby felt almost abstract. Mm. Because I think it's those, it's like, stages of grief right yeah of course i was still in denial yeah and at that point it became very real very quickly that was a good click Ooh. i can't click i it took me it took me <laughs> six weeks as a like seven-year-old child to teach myself how to click and i can still only click with my right hand yeah well i don't know that shows good determination for a seven-year-old because yeah. i didn't do that I mean, at that point, I, I still couldn't tie my shoelaces for another solid 12 months. I think that's fine. I think that's totally fine. Um, and Rosie, how is your relationship? And anyway, sorry, I got a bit sidetracked there, but my relationship post-baby with my mum mm. is more like adult-to-adult adult collaborative yeah. because we live together and yeah. she's effectively my co-parent. Yeah, of course. Like, we don't refer to her as Darcy's parent, but in, like all practical senses of the word she is my co-parent she is the mm. one that helps with pick pickups and drop-offs she is the one that takes care of Darcy when I'm not there she is you know to all intents and purposes mm. Darcy's co-parent yeah, yeah yeah and so our relationship is a lot more adult and yeah. a lot more collaborative than it was before where before yeah. it was more like she would do things for me yeah now it's we do things together yeah do you think she like um not that she didn't respect you before <laughs> but do you think she respects you more as a as like an adult now i think so yeah i think she uh i'm sure she does yeah i think she thinks i'm more likely to make smarter choices yeah which isn't always true yeah but I suppose, yeah, it is more likely that I'm going to do the smart thing than the dumb thing yeah. these days. Yeah, Whereas yeah. Whew, before Darcy, it was always like, what's the dumbest choice? Let me make it. And the, what are you saying that yourself? Yeah. That's what you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. You were a dumb choice maker. Oh, yeah. Ah. I mean, even still now, I have dumb choice maker tendencies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't All know we I'm need to do is maker. look at my taste in men. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Whoa, that made a noise. Okay. So, sorry. So, Rosie, how has your relationship with your own mum changed? So, I think the biggest thing for me, I've always been quite close to my mum and I think we're quite good friends. Um, and my parents have always treated me as such. I think they were quite kind of cool parents that were very, like, open. And there's definitely, like, grey areas with, like, being emotionally closed, for sure. But yeah. that's a generational thing, I think. Absolutely. Um but yeah, they were always quite open and, and like cool with me doing whatever, mm. uh, which is nice. Meant I didn't rebel quite so much, I don't think. I couldn't yeah. rebel. I couldn't rebel. You I can't rebel yeah, when you've got I've nothing been, to rail against. Exactly. Yeah. I've been doing drugs and what. So yeah, quite nice. But the biggest thing for me is that growing up, my dad was always the like the 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 one to go to. Yeah. He was the one that would say yes. She was the one that said no. Yeah. And that meant that he was the the, the best option as a, a parent to go to because um, I'd get all the fun stuff happening. Um, so she was like always the killjoy. Yeah. Not like it didn't, it wasn't like, I don't think of my child, I don't think of my mum as a killjoy. It's just that when I think about growing up, comparatively, comparatively, I'd go to my dad. Yeah. And I think my, both of my brothers, my brothers are quite a bit younger than me. And I think they also... Did, that know, did the same yeah. right now that I have children myself that is 100% like kicking me back in the face <laughs> as like it is so clear to me how hard it must be have been for my mum mm -hmm. to have been the one saying no and then dad going yeah no it's fine 
fuck you like yeah. it's so hard because you are saying no for certain reasons there's like a list of reasons you're saying no that are totally rational 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 oh jesus <laughs> rational and then you're just the, and then you're the bad guy yeah you're the bad guy and it's for never fun no. to be the bad guy never fun to be the bad guy um and also not only that but it's no fun being the bad guy you're also picking up all the pieces afterwards absolutely you're the one doing the clean up even though you're the one that said no in the first place and you're the one that's like comforting the tantrum that comes from you saying no as well absolutely all of the fallout you deal with despite the fact that at the beginning you said i don't think that's a good idea absolutely so i'm really that's really like coming to light now so i could kind of understand why my mum was always not that she was always in a bad mood but like you know more noticeably in a bad mood than my dad because he got to do, do all the fun shit and then be like also like doing all the fun shit and then not being worried about the mess oh it's fine yeah Yeah, but you're not having to clean up the damn mess yeah so um i don't know that our relationship has changed but just like my my respect for her yeah as a as like a as a mum is like man no wonder you were pissed off. Yeah, no wonder you shouted all the time. <laughs> no wonder you were in a strop with my dad for letting us like eat ice cream at ten o'clock. Just you in know, a permanent strop yeah. with your husband for the first like eighteen years of your children's lives. Yeah, and, well, and the really difficult thing for well, not difficult, but the difficult thing for my mum and dad is that they had me when she when they were twenty seven. They had my brother Billy like eight years later, mm. and then they had Louis when my mum and dad were forty. So they've only just got rid of him. He's only just really gone to uni. <laughs> so now what's happened is that, um, and actually I can I can tell you one snippet of how our relationship has changed because um, if we go on holiday with my mum and dad, they act like teenagers because they've, <laughs> they've just got their second wind. So they go out on like motorbike tours. All they want to do is sit in pubs and drink. And so if we go on holiday with them, yeah. they're like, don't know about you guys, but we're going to the pub. See you later. And you're like there with the children going, okay, please don't be back too late. Don't make too much noise. And then they get home and make loads of noise and they're drunk. And then I, I remember one particular time they came back and we were staying in this like barn, like converted barn. It was really beautiful, but like the walls were so thin and they got home drunk. We were in bed, like <laughs> shut the fuck up. And then they went to their room and put on an Alan Partridge podcast and they were in bed, just like sniggering like little children. And I was like, Will you please be quiet? And just lying there with my kids going, will you just shut up, shut up? So, yeah, that's how our relationship's changed. <laughs> uh, yeah, great fun. So, Sinead. Um, yes, Rosie. <laughs> we've talked about our experience uh, pre-pregnancy and sort of finding out that we're pregnant and that whole uh, roller coaster of emotions. So I think now would be a nice time to discuss um, sort of pre-pregnancy and finding out you're pregnant. Um, on a societal basis. So I'm just going to give you a few little factoids here. Did you know that the average age of the first-time mother in the UK in 2018 was 30.6? Well, you can consider yourself perfectly average, Rosie. Perfectly average. I'd say that's exactly what I am. Um, Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It was really hard to find out what the UK average was like many years ago. I did look on like some kind of archival websites. Yeah, it's really it's difficult weird. to find. Yeah. I don't know why that's Or maybe difficult. I just am not very good at reading Research. data. <laughs> yeah. But I think 30.6 is the really like standard age now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think now like most of most of our so for context, me and Rosie have known each other for quite a long time. Um we've known each other for what? 11 or 12 years i think we should dig down deeper into that slightly what do you reckon yeah definitely go on then so rosie and i met um about 11 or 12 years ago um at the leicester legend that is the cookie (laughs) yeah um yeah leicester legend maybe we're not if you're from leicester and you are of a similar age to us two. You know then exactly you will what know the cookie, the cookie is. and you will know why we're describing it as Lester Legend the cookie. Yeah, and I mean, it is a force to be reckoned with, or was it was it was a, a force, force to, to be, reckoned. be reckoned with. Yeah. But um, in the interest of not getting sued <laughs> for slander, <laughs> we'll leave that there. But yes. anyway, Rosie. <laughs> Amazing. Rosie worked at the cookie. My best friend Alicia also worked at the cookie. I was hell bent on misspending my youth 
at the cookie yeah. at any given opportunity. You were you were essentially like adopted as a kind of like sub member of staff, weren't you? Because yeah, you were there much. so often. Yeah, like all the time. You were welcome behind the bar at any point. Yeah, I would just walk behind the bar yeah. quite regularly. And help yourself. Yeah. <laughs> just as the staff did. We exactly. A, we did have to be fair, we had a wonderful time. What a great what a great place to work and be hanging around. Yeah. Not only was it like you know, a great place to work because it was like a little independent venue, but there was quite a lot going on because you had like music, comedy. Yeah, I mean, as a 17 year old, I was there, you know, able to get hit on by men in their mid to late 20s. What more could you possibly want? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Whilst also getting free wine. Um, Yeah, so we've known each other for a long time, but we got back in touch, didn't we? Yeah, so so when I went to uni and Rosie went travelling, uh, we didn't speak for a while. We became kind of just people that... We were Facebook acquaintances, Yeah, made. Yeah, we just followed each other on social yeah, media. Sure. And then I did um, an NCT class with a friend of the show, Beth. Mm-hmm. And Rosie, you were friends with Beth, like, yeah, we four kids? Yeah, yeah. No, we, when we no? were pregnant, we were friends. Yeah, so did you meet when you were pregnant? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when the girls were very small, we met reconnected at mm. was it the when we made the teething necklaces at beth's house it may well have been oh wow i forgot about the teething necklace workshop but that's gonna be definitely be on another pod yeah it's gotta be absolutely it was a great day i mean actually. could you could you describe a more kind of working to middle class mum's group than making teething necklaces yeah amazing yeah we we met and we were like oh i know you oh hello We've got children now and we're fairly respectable. I know. It's like, oh my God, the last time I saw you, Sinead, you were like sleeping on the stairs in the cookie. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Falling out of the disgusting disabled toilet. Oh Jesus, the things that went on in there. Yeah. Um, I'm just interested. I mean, it's really important that we we tell the story of how we met because it's really lovely that we kind of, we met in that kind of scene and then we didn't see each other for years and then suddenly it was like, bang, we've got kids and they're the same age. Yeah. I'm just interested into why why you decided to make that connection now whilst talking about societal pre-pregnancy. Like pre-pregnancy. What, was the, what was the brain connection? Um, I mean, it's lovely. I'm just wondering where you were going with it other than just like talking about the cookie. <laughs> Because yeah. it's fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to talk about. Um, no, I think, I think somewhere, somewhere in the depths of the murky depths of my weird little brain. Yes, I was trying to make a connection about like us knowing each other fairly well. Yeah, pre-children and yes. then reconnecting after children, and like we are still the same people. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the the first. Yeah, that's a really nice point to make because I remember... I mean, I've not phrased that very well at no, all. and there was lots of pauses, which I'm sure you'll edit out, but... In fact, I've phrased <laughs> it like someone that doesn't actually know how to speak English. <laughs> You're doing so well, darling. Um, no, I think... So one of the things I definitely remember when we first met, what if it was the teething necklace party, then what a joy. Um, but one of the first things I remember thinking about you is... She's still got that sense of humour. Like, you've still got the same sense of humour, which was, like, nice. Yeah. Nice to see. And I think that's going to be... That's definitely going to be something we'll talk about in the future and that kind of, like, losing your personality. Absolutely. Or trying to keep your personality. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that is... Yeah. Oh, the cookie. And I think that's... I was trying to lead it into the question of, is there ever any such thing as being ready to have a baby because I know my answer to this oh sure is there ever a good time to be ready yeah that's really interesting what's your answer I don't think so no I think the very act of having a child the act of having a child the the process of having a child Mm. no matter where your situation and your circumstances are in life it bulldozes its way in yes it, it will like knock your world on its access on its axis to kind of make room for this child even if you've been trying yeah or it is forced upon you without you knowing yeah because you never know in what like deep ways your life and your sense of self is going to change absolutely yeah that's so true and i think you can be materially ready for the birth of a baby yeah but that does not prepare you emotionally for the birth of a baby absolutely and i don't think there's any hypnobirthing cd 
There's no book you can read. There is no, no podcast that you can listen to that is going to really, really prepare you for what it feels like. Yeah. For the like epicenter of your universe to change in such a dramatic way. Yeah. And that I think that's kind of one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is to just maybe try it. You're right that there is no podcast out there or book that will explain it to you, but we're trying to explain it in a way that is um, designed for all kind of all people, all women. Yeah, um, even if you've not had the exact same experience. I mean, we've had yeah. very different experiences, but even if your experience has been worlds apart from ours, there is a certain commonality in all of that. Yeah. I think a lot of people kind of talk about it in very um we want to try and be really like open about it. I think a lot of podcasts I've heard where they're talking about being parents is is like they're being very um fl like floaty about it. Yeah. Quite kind of like you know like oh it's just so nurturing. Yeah, but it's also shit. Yeah. <laughs> And we would like to go into more detail on that side of things because we don't like you. We will talk about in the future, like the Instagram mum kind of thing. And this idea that it's all perfect. It's not fucking perfect. No, none no. of it's perfect. And I, the thing is, like, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I don't mm. think it would be as enjoyable if it was all perfect. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. you've got to you've yeah. got to take the good with the bad. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Yeah. And it feels good when you conquer some of the bad stuff as well. That's Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at my notes here because one of the things I definitely want to talk about um, is, well, I'm going to read this thing out that I I took from the gov.website. Yeah. That's the way Gov. you say UK. Gov. UK. <laughs> yeah. Gov. UK. Gov. UK. At any one time, 78% of heterosexual women of reproductive age require support to achieve or prevent a pregnancy. So what I took from that statement is nearly 80% of women of reproductive or heterosexual women of reproductive age mm -hmm. are Not having even... to think about yeah having children or but then not also them. i think it doesn't just have to be heterosexual women no of course like, queer women can be sexually assaulted by and men absolutely and also not only that but queer women might want to think about having children yeah and there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't and queer women do by nature have to think harder about becoming pregnant yeah. Because they cut well, I, I what's really interesting, I don't know if the stats have changed since I knew this, so mm. forgive me if I'm getting this statement wrong. But for you to be able to access NHS IVF, you yeah. have to have been trying for at least 12 months, yeah, and that being unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. If you are um, a queer woman in a homosexual relationship, you can't technically, as far as they're concerned, be trying for 12 months, yeah. I do think I remember, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but I do think I remember seeing, um, I do follow quite a few queer families mm. on Instagram. I myself am bisexual, so I'm currently single. Uh, <laughs> the real joke there being like, you've not got a boyfriend, you've not got a girlfriend, you're not bisexual, babe, you're by yourself. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that was. So, let's frame that. That needs framing. I like that a lot. That is adorable. So Sorry. Continue. Because of that, like I'm very aware of like if I was to have another child, there is a potential that that child would be with a female partner. Sure. As opposed to a male partner. So I kind of want to make myself aware of what the different options and blah, blah, blah are. And I think now it does depend trust to trust, but there mm. are some trusts that have made specific provisions for queer family planning. Well, at least that's something. Yeah. That's nice to know. I mean, we could do better, I think. Oh, absolutely. I feel everyone, yeah. everyone could do better for, you know, the queer and trans community. So we're also pro LGBTQ plus. We are, yeah. Um, 100%. Um, and if you're not, then get to fuck. Um, <laughs> but you yeah. are right in that it's almost always the woman that has to think of how yes. they either are or aren't going yes. to get pregnant. Yeah. 80% of heterosexual women is quite a big number yeah. that are having to think about it in some capacity. I would also say that, like, in actual reality, that number is higher. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a gov dot statement, yeah. so it's probably... <laughs> probably uh, a massive underestimate isn't it um yeah i just think it's i thought that was a really interesting statement because the amount we have to think about it 
is yeah is insane i feel like like for my friends and me on average we maybe started contraception when we were between 14 and 16 yeah i think i was 16 and most of like not all of them were like starting contraception because they were starting to become sexually active a lot of people like have to go on the pill for their skin and Mm. things like that periods terrible periods whatever it is i personally didn't start taking the pill till i was 18 but it sent me fucking insane so this is something i really want to drill down into because the pill for me was fine i've always had very easy periods so you know looky me woohoo um, and they've always been very regular. And luckily, the pill for me, I don't know if this is, has anything to do with it, but uh, my friend Sally took me to the doctors to go on the pill. She was like, I'll come with you because she'd done it before. <laughs> so she knew what she was doing. She was the same girl that taught me how to shave my legs. So shout out to Sally. Um, she took me to the doctors and she was like, you're going to go on Yasmin because it's the best pill to go on. Yeah. And we got in there. They tried to sell me off with microgynin because it's the cheapest one. And she was like, no, she's going on Yasmin. She was so sassy about it. So I was on Yasmin for about what was so 16 20, yeah more than 10 years so i was on the yasmin pill for over a decade and i didn't it didn't have any detrimental effects on me like physically but taking a pill every day for 10 years does not seem like a good way to live your life no <laughs> do you no, know what no. i mean yeah i was on, i wasn't on the pill for very long i think maybe because i can't take the combined pill okay why not because uh, i get migraines and if you take the combined pill it can give you blood clots oh uh, yeah sure so um i was originally prescribed serazet which is a progesterone only pill mm-hmm. and i was on that for about eight months and i noticed a drastic and almost immediate change in my mood really yeah um i went from being like i mean i think every teenage girl is filled with angst but i was overflowing with angst Mm. i remember saying to one of my friends and like i am by nature a very dramatic person but i remember saying to one of my friends like i don't think i will ever want to smile again yeah nice nice like about four months into this experience and at eight months i came off it and noticed again a very abrupt and almost immediate shift in my mood and because i had been so low for such a like long time it almost like sent me like euphoric and Mm. manic i was like running around like i never felt so good and blah 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 and then i had a pregnancy scare when i was 19 and i wasn't pregnant but i was like shit i should maybe go back on hormonal contraception because Mm. you're kind of sold like the whole guys don't like condoms narrative is around and like yeah well also it's not it's not just that it's still awful but it's just this again from that age we're talking 14 plus it is for some reason well we know why it's the patriarchy but you're given this idea you're not even told explicitly but it's your problem yeah it is your problem to deal with and if you you get pregnant pregnant, it's your fault yeah even though almost like you just get pregnant by uh, asexual reproduction yeah exactly yeah and it's and that for me is is a real issue Mm -hmm. and it makes me furious and you know i think that rage will continue through this podcast and i hope you all appreciate it yeah and then the next one that i tried was the injection which i had consistently for about four three and a half four years maybe yeah and which like didn't have any kind of emotional side effects for me but i did get pregnant while i was receiving the injection so um you did get a child out of it take from that what you will you will yeah so you've got to weigh up so if you're a person that is not thinking about having children yet you've got to decide if you want to be um in the worst mood of your life every single day or potential child yeah. yeah, which will put you in the worst mood of your life. Most of the time. Yeah, Most yeah, of yeah, the time. Yeah. The the difference with the child is that they, they take you out of the mood by doing something, something adorable and lull you into a false sense of security. Absolutely. And then you go back to being in a terrible mood. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really nice um, point to sort of start wrapping this up, don't you? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> did we have any other questions? Um, the, I guess the only other thing that um, we did want to say is do um, we wish we knew anything before we got pregnant? Yeah, I wish I'd known that eventually it would be okay. Mm. You know, I when I first found out I was pregnant, I was so traumatised. I mean, I had been drinking while I was pregnant without mm. knowing. I was convinced that my child would have like three legs and no head. You know, mm. I had all these like really, really, really intense fears. And, then, and I think as well when you're pregnant... Um, you have vivid fears, yeah, and that and is I not that's see. like a that's not even a that's not even as making it up. That's that's like an actual legit thing that happens, scientific. Yeah, thing like the happens. dreams that I was having yeah. about this baby that I thought I was going to be having. Yeah. Like I had one dream where it it was just a snake, like a big snake. Oh my god! And it was re it was recurrent. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading into that dream. I was like, yeah. this, it means something. It means, it means something. there's something We're wrong. Connected. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I really wish that me from now could go back to me then and just yeah. tell her, like, everything is okay. Yeah. Your kid is actually pretty cool. Like, it's not it's not sunshine and rainbows all the time by any means, but it is okay and you will be okay. That's really nice. I wish that you had asked me first. Because <laughs> mine's the opposite of that. Uh, not that it's not okay, because obviously it is, but... Um, this this will tie very nicely into the next podcast um and that is that everyone told me it would be okay and it was okay my children are fine um and i did over worry but what nobody prepared me for was how difficult it is to have a newborn baby and especially when we're in a generation where we've gone, we've gone from our parents' generation where you were basically told to put your child in a cot in their own room from day one mm -hmm. and just leave them. Yeah. Just leave them. Don't worry about it. Just It'll go to sleep, mate. Go and get some <laughs> sleep. To a generation now where you're told that you have to keep them with you, you at all times, but don't you dare let them sleep in your bed with you. But also they won't sleep and you won't sleep. And that cycle of fear and exhaustion was so overwhelming for me and I really want to next week I will be shout no not next week the week after when we discuss newborns yeah. um I'm going to be shouting that from the rooftops because I just think not enough people know how hard newborns can be it's brutal so brutal um but obviously it is totally okay it's totally lovely and wonderful and I love my children and I love my life but um yeah I wish I knew because I think I went sort of head because I wanted to be a mum I tried to be a mum. I became a mum. I yeah. thought it would be a doddle. I ran head first going, I... very similar to how we walked into this um, recording booth, Sinead. <laughs> we walked into this recording booth going... Just two girls with a laptop and a dream. Yeah, we were ready to press record an hour and a half later. Not a clue what we were doing. Um, and then, yeah, shitstorm. So mm -hmm. that's kind of, um, yeah, that's kind of how I, I, I wish people were a bit more like realistic. Yes, yeah, I, I think it's because I gave off this kind of confidence of I want to be a mum, I'm ready to be a mum. And I think a very a like internalised confidence as well. Like, yeah. I think almost you can put on a front for anybody, but yeah. when you internally believe something and you are proved wrong, I think it's... Oh, it's so hard. Yeah, of it's course. It's so hard. It makes the guilt worse, doesn't it? Because you're like, yeah. I should be I should be okay at this. Yeah. Because I've told myself I'll be okay at it. And now I'm not. That means I'm a failure. Yeah. And now I feel worse. Exactly. Um, but, it, you know, it's not all... Um, it's not all doom and gloom. No, there's lots of wonderful moments. And I think that's a really good time to discuss um, one of the format points of this podcast, which is probably going to be the best bit. Do you want to, uh, do you want to give us uh, the, the lowdown? Yes. So, um, crucially, the, at the very conception of this podcast, Rosie and I devised an awards ceremony for our friends at a New Year's Eve party. And every person got their own award. And we wanted to carry a bit of the spirit of that through into the podcast because of course. it was that award ceremony that convinced us that, you know, we were funny and we should do a podcast. People um, want to listen to us, Sinead. Yes, people want to listen to us. And our friends actually really did like it. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yes. Yes, they did. Absolutely. Friends, please um, back <laughs> us up on this. Yes. Yes, we loved it. <laughs> so um, every week, we will be summing up our loves and our loads of the week. Mm. Uh, this week, it's called Loving and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yes, so, Rosie, 
what's your love of the week? Okay, my love of the week um, is that I went to a comedy show for the end of the comedy festival in Leicester. Now, bear in mind, I don't get to go out very often. Um, so this was a big deal for me. But this isn't even the best point. I went with a group of girlfriends. Um, these are girls that don't have children. So they're great to be around because they drink alcohol and don't worry about what time it is. <laughs> so we went to a comedy gig and um, one of the ladies who uh, was comedianing. Is that a word? Comedianing. Probably not. She was a comedian. Performing comedy. <laughs> Yeah, performing comedy. So um, her name was Lily Phillips. I 100% um, recommend you checking her out because she was brilliant. She got up on stage and the first thing that she did was mention that dungarees often give women thrush, <laughs> at which me and my friends pissed ourselves laughing. And for the rest of the gig, we were known as the Thrush Girls. Thank you very much. Good night. <laughs> and your love, Sinead, of the week? Uh, my love of the week is the absolutely amazing bav at stay free in leicester where we're currently recording this podcast like we said earlier we walked into this little cave just two girls with a laptop and a dream uh, oh that dream was so big yeah it was so big uh, absolutely no clue what we were doing and bav very very patiently helped us get set up helped us press record <laughs> Held our hands through the entire experience Tom without once condescending to no, us, no patronising to no. us, mansplaining to us, although we did deserve to be mansplained to, to yeah, be fair. Absolutely. Um, he explained what an interface was to me. Yeah, and he told us about his lovely t-shirts. Oh man. I, and they are lovely. Such a shout out to Bav. What, a, what an absolute diamond. Yeah. yeah, absolute love. Living legend. And he even took up one of our stickers. He did. He took one of our stickers and he took a picture of us in our little recording case. Which you will see very soon. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask you right now what your loathe of the week is. My loathe of the week is washing my child's hair. Oh, go on. Um, my daughter Darcy has very curly hair and also an intense and irrational fear of water going in her ears, eyes and or nose. Wonderful. So trying to wash this said hair um, results in holy war every weekend and last weekend she wriggled out of it because I happened to be an island so I wasn't there to do it and my mum was checked out of that entire <laughs> process um, so I had to do it this morning and honestly I try not to shout at my child as much as possible but we all do I ended up truly losing my shit because there's only so many times you can ask nicely like of course please Darcy mm -hmm. please can you get in the bath Please, can you get back in the bath? Please, please let me put the shampoo in your hair. And when she's screaming at you, no, mummy, I don't want you to do that. And it's something that you have to do for this, the good of your child. Like you cannot leave your child's hair unwashed for like going on three weeks. Like when it's something that you have to do that is an essential care task. Yeah. Anything else that she's kicking off and doesn't like that much. I'm like, fine, we just yeah, we just won't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but like brushing the teeth. Brushing the teeth. If I don't brush your in teeth, the shower, I will you will be taken away from me. If your teeth fall out, like yeah, we have to neglect. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're not letting me do it. So yeah. where do I stand? Exactly. And then that and her screaming at me, and we're in the bathroom and the door is shut and the steam and it's hot, and I'm very probably autistic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's those moments where you feel it most. Yeah. So, like, my sensory issues are all over the place. Mm. Um, she's screaming at me and I'm just like, get in the bath, let me wash her. And then she starts crying and I feel like the worst person. I'm like, handcuff me and take me to prison right now. <laughs> okay, so... What's um, your loathe of the week, Rosie? Yeah, you know what? Um, it makes me feel really good that that's your loathe because my loathe is basically the same thing. Um, <laughs> it wasn't over hair washing, but um, I'm going to keep it real simple because what you've just described is very similar to my experience. So I won't go into too much detail, but um, yesterday Ramona had um, such a bad tantrum that as she was shouting at us, she was choking herself. <laughs> that's how... Like with that, her hands. No, no, like... She was shouting so loud, she was choking on her own voice. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. And that and that tantrum, the like the the catalyst of that tantrum was all about like a misunderstanding on clothes choices. 
it was literally like she had her dancing clothes on for her dance class and she wanted to try on her clothes for the party and then she didn't like them so i got another outfit out for her and then the the, the devil was spawned yeah and she was shouting and this by the All way hell broke loose. by the way the shouting that was choking her 7am <laughs> lola sat in a high chair trying to eat cheerios and she's choking on her own voice and I can't, I on can't a Saturday. even, Saturday 7am. Oh no. Yeah. So I think, um, not to be smug, but I was asleep. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the Amateur Milf Society. We've been Sinead. And Rosie. And we're still just, just trying. trying. Uh, please check us out on Instagram on at Amateur Milf Society. And you can always contact us on the Amateur Milf Society at gmail.com. If you have any questions. Yeah, yeah. Quest- questions mainly. Like, don't just contact us for no reason. You don't have or to. Or do. Contact us if you want. Don't troll us. Yeah, please we're not don't. Re- we're not we're ready, not for, ready, for, ready that. for that. We're not ready. I'm very, very emotionally give us, insecure. Yeah, give us like 10 episodes. Yeah. Actually, no, just don't troll us. Just don't troll us. Do it please. in your head. Um, jo- yeah. Join us next time when we'll be discussing, quote, the physiological condition... That is pregnancy. It's a condition. Being pregnant is a condition. So we'll be discussing that. We'll be complaining. Um, Hopefully we'll make you laugh. Please tell us how wonderful we are. And we'll see you next time. I suppose we better go and look after our children now. Uh, I guess we better. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.